Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate- some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. There's a rumor about me being spotted with a light-skinned basketball dude before the show. And being a woman of color, you know, in Minnesota, anytime I'm with a man of color, I'm, we're a couple. That's what everyone sees it as. I could have a romantic dinner with a white guy in the restaurant and nobody would say, oh, they're a couple. But because it's another black man, we're supposed to be together. And it's frustrating because I'm open to all of you. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we're coming at you with a breakdown of week two of season 18 of The Bachelorette, Michelle Young. We saw a lot of great gameplay tonight. We saw some costly 
errors. And we had some great bystanders. We even had a bunch of creatures this week, which again, last week we completely made an error of the week on our own where we did not even recognize that Percy, Nate's dog, was in fact the creature of the week. I think that might have been some insight. I don't know. I still can't get over that we didn't see it. <laughs> I, it'll haunt my rest of my life. It's something that I even made a meme of fucking Percy. Oh, my dog. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my dog. <laughs> but tonight we're going to make up for it because we're going to go through all the best plays, all the worst plays, all the best players, everything that we saw in this week two, where now we finally get to see some group dates. We finally get to see a one-on-one date. We're in the regular season now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is a whole different game than night one, and it will be a whole different game again once we get to playoffs, which is Fantasy Suites, Hometowns, and then a whole different game again once we get to finals, mental, all that shit. We're in the thick of it now, though. This is it. This is the regular season. I just gotta say, just having a regular season episode with two group dates... One one-on-one date, we see all parts of all dates, and we end with a rose ceremony. It feels good in my soul. This is how the good Lord meant the game to be presented. (laughs) I don't care what anyone says. You can say these cliffhangers and, oh, I don't know, somebody's crying in a bathroom and we'll get another rose ceremony, no cocktails, whatever. All that is shit. This is exactly how an episode should be presented. Yes clean. And I'm curious to see if the ratings reflect anything. Probably not, but I agree with you. At least for me, this is how I enjoy consuming the document. Mm -hmm. But shall we do it? Shall we get into what everyone came here for? Let's do it. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game, This is Game of Roses. All right, we open up this week two with a promo, just like we're doing every week. It is, once again, the announcer that we don't know who it is, not Lil John. And we see in this promo, there's going to be a group date. There's going to be the teacher obstacle course slash army of children slash are you smarter than a fifth grader date? We see we're going to get some uh, one-on-one with Joe playing basketball, some rock climbing with Jamie kisses. Whole house is talking about something. Seems like the guys are pissed about her potentially knowing Joe before the show. There is a rat in their midst and Michelle is already asking if she made the right decision to come into this process. Usually, this is something that a lead plays much later in the season. We saw it with Katie Thurston Mm -hmm. toward the end of her season, really, Fantasy Suites, where she said, give me a plane, get me the fuck out of here. All leads go through this moment where they think all is lost. There's no way they're going to make a connection and what have they gotten themselves into? Very early in the season for this to be yeah. happening. <laughs> I might quit. Week one. <laughs> but that ends the promo. And then we begin portion one with a shot of two ducks floating on a serene, calm, cool pond. One of these ducks is better than the other. He's strutting <laughs> his stuff. As he dunks his head underwater, knowing full well there are cameras recording his actions. And he is showing off his derriere. This duck had sass and class. This duck was my... (laughs) Creature of the week. 
this mooning duck was not my creature of the week. <laughs> what? I can't wait to see what you think. Beat that fucking duck. A better creature. Well, maybe. Time will tell. But after we get our ducks, we get Michelle ITMing. The guys feel genuine and authentic as they all do an I love Cleveland as they're walking into their various rooms in the resort. And Michelle tells Tasha she's excited about the guys. And the guys all talk about how lucky whoever the first guy is to get a one-on-one is going to be. And they talk about Michelle's eye contact powers. There's a a lot of discussion about how magical her eyes are and how <laughs> entrancing they are, which I thought was kind of funny. Reminded me back in the good old days of Bachelor Season 22 with Ari Leindyke Jr. A lot of talk about his eyes and how people couldn't even look into them because they were so powerful. Becca Kufrin among them. That's how you become a kissing bandit. Indeed. And then Tasia tells Michelle that the group dates are where she finally saw Zach's personality come out and she gives her the advice to give guys who hang back in the cut more of a chance. Maybe their personalities will come out. And then Caitlin comes into the common room and hands out the first date card of the season. And the first date card is today's lesson is love. We got Brandon, Romeo, Rick, PJ, Will, Olu, Casey, Danny, LT, and Pater. They will be going on this date. This is a 10-man group date. We certainly have seen higher numbers on first group dates of seasons before. This actually seemed... Strangely fair to me. (laughs) Tiny. I know. (laughs) Will is continuing his colorful narration. He gives himself a nickname. It's Big Will time. You know, Will Smith also was famously known as Big Willie style. So it's kind of a derivative of a more famous Will. Mm, An homage. Perhaps. The group date begins. The guys race to Michelle. No group date, Hooju. Disappointed. Disappointed! Brandon does get a first hug, though. Mm. Congrats, Brandon. Michelle tells him she has three friends with high standards who are not going to take it easy on them, and they walk into a giant fifth-grade classroom. A child named Riley says, students take your seats because class is in session, and we have a three-person child army here. It is Mia. It is Riley It is Kennedy. And it's worth noting, these are actors. These are hired children actors. Yes, Michelle does not seem to know them. Well, they're shooting this here in California. Like the the resort is in California. Obviously, they go to Joshua Tree later. So these are Californian kids. Later, they're going to go back to Minnesota at another resort. Mm, Meet the real kids. Do you think these were even children? Mm, Could be deep fake. It's David Spade, Lil John, and Lance Bass, deep faked as children. <laughs> who do you think Riley was? The one who says, take your seats. That was probably David Spade. David Spade was definitely Mia, <laughs> the sassiest. <laughs> well, we're going to get to them. As we begin portion two, we see a little bit more of Mia, Riley, and Kennedy, these three child actors. And the guys all sit at these little desks that have their name placards on them, just like your first day of school back in fifth grade. And they're all going to have to compete in these are you smarter than a fifth grader style trivia challenges that have to do with questions that you you should be able to do math challenges and, and whatever. So the first question is 2021 times 18. And these kids are vicious in their reprimand of players who fail these math yes. questions, just letting out a salvo of wrongs and nope and shaking their head and having disgusted looks on their faces at these guys who can't do what they perceive to be simple math. Yeah. 
They then don lab coats and Kennedy says we're testing who has the best chemistry and it appears they're doing some sort of chemical solution to try to make a test tube explode. We get the pizza printer Peter saying in his ITM, I definitely consider myself an alpha presence, which is good to know. Wait, you don't consider yourself an alpha presence? (laughs) That'd be a good t-shirt actually, alpha presence. I consider myself, let's see, <laughs> below beta. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> they play musical chairs. Casey is getting vicious in his ITMs. I can't speak for anyone else in terms of the way they experience Peter. For me, it's a little too much. The Peter show. He's insanely competitive when they're playing musical chairs. He's like pushing people out of the way. He's wrestling chairs out mm-hmm. from under them. This is a man who is highly, highly competitive, obviously an alpha presence, as he said. And we're starting to see yeah. it come through here. And we even see Michelle has an ITM where she says, you know, it's not always about winning. It's kind of about watching how people play these games. And that's a, a huge component of all group date dynamics. It isn't necessarily about winning whatever the challenge is in an objective way. It's about getting the attention of the lead, the bachelor or the bachelorette in a way that is palatable to them. Enthusiasm. You have to be enthusiastic, have fun with it, but not necessarily caring too much about winning unless it's like what Kelly Flanagan did in season 24, where it's just like kind of haphazardly cheat to get the win if it means a play for time, which we're going to see next week. I think the exact same date is going to play out literally down to the spinning gyroscope machine that they did on season 24. Can't wait. Also, I do want to watch the TV show Experiencing Peter. What is that? (laughs) Well, Casey said, I can't speak for anyone else in terms of the way they experience Peter. For me, it's a little too much. I just thought it was a funny way of saying that. (laughs) Maybe he'll get his own show. We don't know. But they eventually go into a spelling contest. Brandon is shown to not know how to spell any words at all. And Peter then is kind of in the spotlight, trying to take it from everybody. And when they are all told that they have to spell the word narcissist, Will writes the word Peter on his dry erase board. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) And then we get this hilarious fucking ITM from Will that he's just like, couldn't be happier. This is the most happy moment of his life. He's like, I looked over and he was heated. He was heated. You know, he was. I saw it. And he's just fucking beaming. He loves that he fucked with Peter in this way. Yeah. As did I. I thought it was very funny. He says, call him like I see him. His face was red as tomato sauce. And this is the first of many of Will's pizza themed insults, which I enjoyed. It was fantastic. Colorful narrator work. Everyone gets participation ribbons. The pizzapreneur Peter is mad because he thought he was shining. And Mia, who has been shitting on everyone this entire date, really giving it her all. My favorite of the child army was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Mia was also my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. The whole child army was great. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They were all fantastic. 
Mia had a little extra sauce. She was doing face play. She was throwing out zingers. <laughs> she really was in control of this entire day, in my opinion. Yeah. She was the star of the show. So congratulations to you, Mia. I hope we get to see you again. I don't know. Are they going to have any other classroom dates in California where they have to hire these same child actors? Bring her back for the mental all, maybe. Maybe. Maybe she can reprimand them as they sit in their chairs. Yeah. She should definitely come back for mental all. I mean, she was making gifable content. And that's what you want to do when you're a bystander. You don't get that many moments, but you really seize upon them when you're in the spotlight. Absolutely. Look, all media at this point, the media is irrelevant. What you're actually watching on television or a movie is irrelevant. The only thing that matters in it is how many memes can be made of it. And if you're the contributing <laughs> factor to a meme that's going to get pulled out of that source media, you're the star of it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think that's what you want your content to be. That's why I'm loving all the Dune memes. I laugh at every single one. Then we begin portion three. Speaking of Dune, we are at a beach style setting. This is the after party of our group date. And Michelle leads a toast about having had so much fun that day and going with the flow. And she's learning more about all the different guys. And tonight is about having fun and enjoying each other's company. The first one-on-one -on -one time we see at this after party is with Brandon. And she says, we need to talk about something. And he's like, I think I know what's coming. I can't spell. And they laugh <laughs> off his inability to spell even some of the, the simpler words. But he does make it very charming. He makes this endearing to her. And he says he's going to try no matter, even if he's bad at something, he's going to try as hard as he can for her, give her his best at all times. And he's always going to learn lessons from his mistakes and keep moving forward. And then he stares at her. She's practically begging for a kiss here. And he says he's trying to remember every part of her so he can dream about her later. <laughs> and she just says like, dude, that's the corniest shit of all time. Did you look it up on the internet about how to get girls? And they make a big joke out of this, but eventually it does come together and he gets this kiss. And Michelle's ITMing sparks with Brandon here. And she even says she can start to picture a life with him. This is a little bit of a, mm. a precog future cast-ish thing here. She then gets one-on-one -on -one time with Romeo, who thought he would be the star of the show in the earlier fifth grader games because he majored in math at Harvard, a little Bennett Andrew Jordan of this season. But he says, every time I look at you, I forget about the other guys. We move on. She plays cornhole with AJ. She ITMs. I can tell this whole process is starting to work. Praising the process. What's going to happen? At that moment, Peter pulls Will. And we cut back and forth between one-on-one -on -one time with Olu and Peter's conversation with Will. And this one-on-one -on -one time with Olu, by the way, when he's like, you look beautiful, like Aqua Woman. I lost my fucking yeah. mind. That was some of the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. Even she was like, huh, I've never gotten that one before. Like, who is Aqua Woman? I don't even think that's a character. Aqua Woman is not a woman. I don't I don't know. I haven't seen Aqua Man. Does he have a woman? I thought he just had the sea creatures. Yeah, there's like definitely women superheroes who have water powers in both Marvel and DC. But I'm almost positive there's not an Aqua Woman. Almost positive. Okay. DC fandom. Is there an Aqua Woman? Aqua Woman is a female counterpart to Aquaman. Oh. This name is often attributed to his wife, Mara, despite her rarely using the alias. Does she look like Michelle Young? She's got a lot of stuff covering her. It's hard to say. They have the same color hair. <laughs> okay. Maybe he's right on the money then. Maybe he's just a huge comic book nerd. He's a DC DC guy. 
Peter pulls Will. He says, that was really inappropriate of you calling me a narcissist when I was completely defenseless. I was like, what are these defenses? He's trapped at a school desk? This this was just such a bad move. It's like, yeah, defenseless. and, And I guess it was technically an attack. Like, definitely Will was on the offensive here, but it was, I thought... Him writing Peter on that board was expertly played because it came off like a joke. Mm-hmm. Yes. But there's a little truth in it, and we all know that. He was just poking the bear a tiny little bit. And Peter fell for it. Beautiful. He's pissed off about it. What you do in that situation, if you're Peter, is you read it, you laugh about it, and then the very next thing you have to spell, you get him back in a way that is equally clever, equally jokey, equally fun for everyone. Instead, Peter fucking goes off, broods about this shit, and it's just like, I got to talk to him. This is fucking bullshit. And he yanks him to go have this conversation, which turns into a screaming match, basically. Peter pulling Will and reacting to him poking him was my... Error, 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 error of the game. If he wasn't able to get back at him in that cutesy way... He could have pulled him at this point and been like, hey, I just want to make sure I haven't done something to upset you. I really think of you and all these guys as my brothers. I never want to hurt you. Just want to make sure we're okay. Exactly. Or don't even pull him. Just sit down with all the guys and be like, dude, I got to say, when you put my fucking name on the thing for narcissist, that shit was funny as fuck, dude. Cheers. And that's it. It's over. Yeah. It's fucking over. I guess that response wouldn't be alpha energy, though. No, exactly. Alpha (laughs) presence is going to get you in fucking trouble. My omega energy. Alpha presence in this game is fine. Absolutely fine. You can play in alpha style, but you got to do it like what Joe is doing. And we're going to get to Joe. He's also playing in alpha (laughs) style, but he's playing the flip side of it. Shy style. Shy alpha. Shalpha. It is not shy style. It's not. Those two things are different. It's got a shalpha presence. (laughs) Shalfa. Is that a t-shirt? Oh my God. No, Joe is not playing a shy style. He's maybe a quiet style, but not shy. He's confident as fuck. When he's on that basketball court, there ain't nothing shy about that. He's having fun. He's in his element. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but I'm just saying there are ways to play alpha style that are different from what Peter is doing here. The brazen, like blustery, like I'm the alpha and fuck everybody who tries to step to me. That's never going to work ever in our beloved game, unless you're Josh Murray. Speaking of quiet alphas, we cut back to Michelle and Olu and she tells him, you have this quiet confidence that I really like. You don't have to be the loudest person in the room for me to know you're confident. And I really like that. Olu agrees. No one likes a jerk. And then we cut back to the screaming match between Peter and Will Peter says that was inappropriate of you. Will, we were having some fun. Peter, we weren't having fun. Maybe you don't understand. Will, pizza this, pizza that. I'm tired of hearing about pizza. Talk to me about Michelle. And then at the tag to go out on this portion, he goes, what else do you have to offer besides the slice, bro? I love that line. (laughs) Just that pizza could ever be used as an insult. It's like it loses all credibility when you're like, you talk too much about pizza, dude. It's like, no, everybody loves pizza. We will all love it till the end of time. You can never insult somebody using pizza. It just doesn't work. It takes the fucking air out of the insult. But 
The other guys also here are getting worried that this fight might potentially ruin the night. They've all seen the show before. They know how this shit goes. So then portion four begins. We're back at the common room. Another date card arrives. It's a one-on-one date this time. It says, I'm looking for someone to be my rock. And Jamie is the recipient of this. He immediately goes into this weird monologue (laughs) where he's telling all the other players that the one-on-one date is as much for him as it is for Michelle. He needs to see if she can hang with him. He's constantly living on the edge of life and traveling to third world countries in a moment's notice by himself. What? For, for work or pleasure? Like, I, this was one of the most confusing things I've ever seen. Totally unprompted, or at least it seemed that way. And he's just kind of bragging about how he lives on the edge. And I didn't see the benefit in this. It's it's like setting up that these guys are going to hate you. Very bad second audience play here. We have his job listed as biotech CEO. So maybe there's some rocks he has to check out. Emergency rock situations. He's running like a Theranos type company. Mm, I don't think you go on The Bachelorette if you are doing that, but maybe. (laughs) Other guys are starting to get suspect. This isn't a great second audience play. Chris says, Jamie got the one-on-one and he's not grateful and thankful. What's he here for? Does he care? This was a great little sub play by Chris S, by the way. Early company manning, early praising mm-hmm. of the process. This guy is definitely in paradise. I saw that and I was like, you're touching sand. Good move, dude. PTP, praise that process. We go back to the group date after party. Table Rick gets some one-on-one time. He has set up a little activity for them. I figured you might help me with some homework. He pulls out this note and a board. It's a story of Michelle and Rick. And it's basically a Mad Lib style kiss lead in line essentially it ends with like their chemistry was so powerful that by the end of the night they share a beautiful fill in the blank and then they kiss she tells him she's happy he's here they kiss again he itms he's gonna be on cloud nine for a long time i thought this was a pretty good little play it was a little laborious but it achieved the desired effect i did think during the kiss he looked a little nervous his eyes were fluttering he looked like he was just trying to get through it Michelle kind of did too, in my opinion. But the play that set it up, I thought was well thought out and it took some effort. You know, she was definitely going to reward him with a kiss after all of that. Yeah. Rick is, Rick is definitely extra in his plans. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) They're all extremely elaborate. Peter then tells the other guys that he was uncomfortable being called a narcissist. Casey continues these ITMs. This is all we hear from Casey this whole episode. I think Peter is an insecurity supernova. Every time I see immature little boys getting into yelling matches and dick measuring contests, I think this better not derail Michelle. I want an opportunity to connect with her when all the energy is positive. I mean, he's not wrong. This is a guy who's seen the show, I assume. And he knows that when two guys get into a fight like this, it can end an after party. It can end a cocktail party. And then you're just fucked if you haven't had time to talk to her. He's worried about turtling, as are all of these players at this point. And so Michelle then takes Peter for his one-on-one time. And she asks him about the yelling she heard. And she says that he came across very aggressively. And Peter plays a child shield immediately. He says it was uncalled for, for Will to call him a narcissist in front of her, but also in front of the children. He pulls them into this as though they give a fuck. They're taking home their $1,000 for the day and they don't care about you, Peter. Like none of them care. Maybe they even thought it was funny. They might've been entertained by it as we all were as well. He also hints at a PTC. He says, we all have our scars. 
but we don't hear what that's about. No, he withholds that PTC, hoping, I guess, to use it at a later date. But Michelle says that there might come a time when she really pisses him off. And so she needs to see how he can react when he gets mad, when he is not himself. And he says it's out of character for him. He apologizes. And she says, that's okay. Take a second to center yourself so she can see the real him. So he's sticking around here. The producers we know want him around because he is going to be one of the villains of this season. They're going to push him to the edge. They're also obviously setting up Jamie for that. But he's what they need in this show. And he's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As soon as Michelle saw that conversation, he's not an actual romantic possibility for her. But we're going to keep him, you know, for ITMs like this. Tonight I had a setback because someone decided to be a petty bitch. So I got my rose robbed. Michelle comes back to the group. She has to go with what she feels right now. Brandon, will you accept this rose? Brandon gets that GDR zero pointer. Yeah, and he played a very good group date, I thought. Even though he was bad at spelling and kind of comically bad, I would say even at it, he was able to turn that into this charming moment, get a kiss, and really establish himself as somebody who wasn't really part of the drama. He was higher mm-hmm. than a floater, but you know he wasn't negatively spotlighted in this date as some of these other players were. Just a a very good, solid group date performance. Nothing flashy here, but he got the job done. He ITMs, I think what she saw in me was my authenticity, very 4TRR, and says he's falling for this girl, loading that love level three. And then we start that portion five. We're now on the one-on-one date with Jamie. This is an athletic activity date, rock climbing that will conclude in a picnic. And so Michelle picks Jamie up, drives him away in a red Jeep, and Michelle ITMs, wanting him to go deeper than just his playful side. She's seen enough of that. They go to Joshua Tree, and she tells him that they have to climb the face of this fucking rock to get to their picnic. (laughs) I'm looking at this, and I'm like, this is some real-ass shit. Yeah. Usually, like, in these dates, it's not this harrowing. I mean, that looked scary, what they were doing. And then they proceed to deploy ropes and start literally climbing this fucking rock. That, again, looks dangerous to me. You could actually hurt yourself there. Like, if you slip, even though you have a rope, you're not going to fall the way down. You can still, like, bang things against the rock. Totally. I think this date required a high degree of athletic skill, and they pulled it off. They start climbing this rock. Jamie serves as a coach, telling her where and kind of how to climb, and she ITMs being refreshed that she doesn't have to be the coach, which she usually is in situations like this. Mm -hmm. She likes that he's kind of taking charge and helping her. She's doing very teacher curse words. Fudge. Criminy. I know. That's all I was thinking, too. I'm like, she's a fifth grade teacher for sure. You know, criminy comes out of her mouth every 10 fucking minutes in her class. Criminy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jeepers. Creepers. They get to the top, they high five, and then a majestic creature flies over them. A hawk strutting his stuff, showing them who the real rock is. And this hawk rock was my. <laughs> Creature of the week. Wait, what? What's a, what? Hawk rock? What? I don't understand. They're both talking about like, I hope Jamie will be my rock. And they're like, they're making all these climbing metaphors. Like okay. you got to support each other or you slip and fall. But really the hawk, the hawk is the one that's going to be there the whole time. 
the mega super predator. <laughs> okay, sure. It was a beautiful, majestic creature. It didn't need to share the spotlight with any other creature. It didn't need to do a voluntary nudity play just to get screen time. Just a classic creature. It was doing a voluntary nudity play. It was completely <laughs> naked. Every creature is. I don't, I mean, I don't <gasps> think we've seen creatures wearing clothes, have we? It wasn't strut in its understuff. We looked right at it. What are you talking about? It had its, it was literally spread eagle. It won. Okay. It won. <laughs> okay. Moving on. <laughs> Jamie glows Michelle and he gives her some big compliments. And she says she's very fortunate to be there. They kiss and Michelle ITMs that she's happy and grateful he's there. And then we begin portion number. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons... They've earned the skin safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to Gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time. And I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. 
um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Six. This is, of course, the night portion of the date. Jamie and Michelle are sitting at a dinner. They cheers each other to being each other's rock. They make no mention of this hawk rock. And Michelle <laughs> brings up her family and her parents. And what a great example they were for her. But she knows you don't have to come from that in order to achieve what they have. And Jamie says, that's good because I have a different family and background than what you had. And he lays out one of the most powerful and artful PTCs. I mean, certainly of the season, which is very new, but like maybe that we've ever seen in the history of the game. Just wanted to issue a trigger warning. The next five minutes, we are going to be discussing self-harm and suicide from Jamie's one-on-one date conversation. He basically says he had like a good early childhood. His parents were super young. They had trouble with bills. They had to move in with the grandparents. And then when he was 12 or 13, found his mom attempting to hurt herself and This pulls tears from Michelle. And then Jamie says he and his sister Tula, I assume this is a sister, alternated staying home from school to watch over his mom. And then when he was 24, his mom died by suicide, which imploded his whole life and took him a long time to find anything that actually mattered. And he actively had to decide to come back to life, that life is worth it. People are worth it. Relationships are worth it. This heart-wrenching PTC by Jamie was my play of the game. He pulls tears from Michelle. He gets an immediate rose. I don't know if he was considering this in it, but he is inoculated against his future tattle that he's going to do later this episode. And it's also like inspirational for the fourth audience. He like later does an ITM that says life is tough. Sometimes We trick ourselves into thinking it will be that way forever. But if you take one more step, sometimes you're not in that darkness, which I thought was like a powerful metaphor. Yeah, just really impressed by everything Jamie was doing here. I agree. It was a a very solid one-on-one date, as the first one-on-one dates of the season usually are. But this shit was top to bottom incredible. He had to do like a literal physical feat. Climbing that fucking rock is... Like, again, yeah. not easy. <laughs> All while a hawk rock is watching you. And, that's right. The <laughs> under the watchful gaze of the most important creature in the world. 
But not only did he get up the side of that rock, he helped Michelle do it. He then has this incredibly powerful PTC, gets tears from her, of course, gets the one-on-one rose. And Michelle even ITMs. It was one of the best first dates she's ever been on. And then they walk away from dinner for a private concert from Caroline Jones, who has 79.7 thousand Instagram followers, and she's playing her single, Chasing Me. Portion number seven, we start with... Joe Coleman in tears. He is FaceTiming his mom. She tells him that his old basketball coach, Ken Novak Sr., passed away. He explains that he was like a teacher in life, a teacher in basketball. His mom says, you have a big hug coming your way. And Joe says, we're about to go on this basketball date. Novak would be the type of person to want me to go out there and hoop. So we don't get a date card for this second group date, but we know it's going to be basketball. And Michelle narrates what the date card would have said. Today, the date card said, all is fair in love and basketball. (laughs) So it was given. And we know that there are 10 players that are going to be on this date because ultimately they get split into two teams of five. But she says she played D1 basketball. And that's a huge part of who she is as all these guys walk onto the basketball court and two celebrity guest hosts emerge. Derricka Hamby. 73.7 thousand Instagram followers and Diamond to Shields, 77.7 thousand Instagram followers. These are two pro basketball players in the WNBA and they have all the guys doing drills. They're playing one-on-one games against each other. And Michelle then ITMs that Joe Coleman was named the 2011 Minnesota Mr. Basketball. So he has superior skills. And she goes on to tell us that this is essentially given to the best high school basketball player in the state. And she even informs us that she was the runner up for the women's version of this award that same year. So they have this kind of intrinsic link through their basketball skills and what kind of a role it's played in their lives. And then Joe gets a little one-on-one game against Michelle center court here. Like everyone's watching it. I don't know if other guys got this opportunity or not, or if the producers just threw it to him, or maybe they even worked it out. Maybe she was like, Oh, I know you were the 2011 Mr. Basketball. Let's see what you got. Mm. I don't know how it went down, but We get that. And Michelle, even then ITMs that he understands Minnesota basketball, which is a very specific thing. So they have this deeper bond. I thought here, Joe misses an opportunity, unfortunately, should have pulled an IFI, should have gone to the ground, fake like she fouled him, gone to the ground, got some attention. And then when she gets down close to him, just start laughing and be like, I totally faked that just like they do in the NBA. That's beautiful. Yeah. Then maybe even get a little kiss in front of everybody. Could have done it. God, Clues, we got to get you in this game. (laughs) I aged out of this game about (laughs) 15 years ago, just to let you know. And I'm only getting older. I know, but we're going to astral project you into a player and absolutely dominate. Ooh, now I like the sound of that. We then get a five versus five play for time. The Lover Boys versus See You Tonight. (laughs) And... (laughs) There is a commentator, Blake Arthur. 850 Instagram followers. Who is this man? I think he's a local newscaster from that area around Joshua Tree. They're in Indian Wells, California. So he's like a local news guy for Indian Wells, fucking Channel 5 or whatever. I was like, who is this guy? Why do they have him? For some reason, he's there. And the way they're shooting him also makes it seem like he's not even there. Yeah, You never see him on the court. You never see him near anyone else with anyone else. You think they filmed it after? They were like, we need that commentator. I thought that, but then because of the tag, I don't. Because he was like very clearly saying jokes that they were reacting to to them. 
which we'll get to in the tag. But mm. Michelle watches with Taitlin and the blue team wins. Blake Arthur, 850 followers, says they're heading back to showers and tears. So they are sticking with this play for time. Yeah. And in the course of the game, I thought something interesting happened as well, because we're really talking about the effect that basketball has on Michelle Young, huge part of her life. So this is not arbitrary. What you do in this game, your skill in the game does matter to some degree. Now, again, you can't pull what Peter did in the musical chairs. You can't be an alpha presence, or if you are, it has to be kind of silent. And that's what Joe does. So Joe is on the red team. They're getting pounded. Halftime happens and Joe turns on his fucking LeBron James switch, which if you know anything about basketball, sometimes LeBron James can just be like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to win the game by myself. Like when the Lakers are down or something, he just goes into this weird mode that's like, oh, he just scored fucking 30 points in like five minutes. Mm. Not humanly possible. And Joe kind of does that here. Another Shalfa present. Yeah, exactly. And so Joe kind of does that here. He's hitting three pointers left and right. He's making great passes and he actually gets his team within one point of winning the fucking game by the end, but they still lose. And then like you're saying, they seem to be enforcing the play for time, which is, uh, that's old school fucking Bachelor. We haven't seen that in some time. It's been a while. They usually say, oh yeah, go home. And then they invite the winning team back. In this case, there is an exception. There is an MVP of the day. And that goes to Joe Coleman. Gets the group date win. With this award, you're getting invited to the after party. We did it, Joe. We did it, Joe. And these MVP awards or favorite player or whatever, we've seen stuff like this before in various games that the losing team, you can select one person and still they get to come to the after party. This is a producer move because they want Joe at that after party. This allows them to basically make sure whoever they want to be there will be there no matter who wins the game. And we then get these shots of the blue team is in a locker room spraying champagne like they won the fucking World Series. And the red team is like all hanging their heads like they've just experienced the worst defeat in human history. It's insane that they're taking it this hard. But then also, you know, you have to keep in mind, it's not just about going to that after party. It's everything that's tied to it. This is maybe the reason you don't wind up with a million Instagram followers because you lost this dumb fucking basketball game. Mm-hmm. And that's that's heavy, I would think, on these guys, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're just watching those gains go down the toilet. Exactly. We start portion eight with the group date after party. Nate loads love level one. I'm crushing on this girl 100%. Michelle Young does a cheers. Tonight's about continuing to be intentional about this time, continue to be vulnerable. And we get the first one-on-one time. It's with Joe. He loads his PTC in an ITM that he wants to open up about the sad news he got. And then he tells Michelle, basketball was also my first love. I found out today about the death of his coach. Being on that date released me from those feelings, which is praising the process. And Michelle gives him a neck massage, says coaches can be such a big part of your life. Joe says he was always trying to help me out, felt like he was family trying to be composed right now. Michelle says, it's okay to lose your composure, especially us athletes. You don't have to have your game face on all the time. I feel like we have a level of understanding. I don't know if it's basketball or Minnesota or both. Joe, I feel it too. They kiss and then they play a basketball game. I'm assuming this is horse that has kissing stakes. They kiss. Joe loads at love level two. I could see myself falling for her. 
and she drops the basketball as they make out. And she ITMs off the charts chemistry with Joe here. And Joe's use of this PTC, which is essentially an improvised PTC, was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Everything he did on this date was phenomenal. I mean, this is really how you take control of a group date. You're on the losing team. That's a play for time. Doesn't matter. You're coming to the after party. You got this horrible fucking news that day. You turn it into a positive on the group date that ultimately we're going to see. Obviously, he gets the group date rose. And you're playing all these chemistry plays that are just fucking working again and again and again. It really was a masterclass in what you can do on a group date. And by the way, we don't even really know what his PTC is yet. This was one that just came to him within game. He still has another one that he's going to, I assume, that he's going to be able to use on a one-on-one or potentially another group date or whenever he might need to. This was utterly fucking brilliant what he did. He hinted on night one at another PTC that he was dealing with Houses and murders and stuff. Yeah, sure. That could be a part of it. But I mean, this was just, it was so well done because you see from time to time, it's rare, but like sometimes players will get bad news in game. Sometimes it is the untimely passing of a family member or a friend of the family or whatever it may be. And that will, in some cases, cripple them. Or in some cases, players leave the show because of it. Mm -hmm. Joe Coleman here takes it, deals with that grief, and then uses it to his advantage on this date to build this bond even stronger. And because it also is like a basketball coach, Michelle Young knows that that means something, whereas other people might be like, eh, you're basketball coach? Why are you so sad about that? Michelle Young gets it exactly. Brilliantly done. She's also, when she gives him the group date rose, going to say that it's a person that opened up and that was his opening up. And as the losers are all returning to the house, the guys are starting to build a case against Joe, saying, wait a minute, if the losers have come back here, how do you take a loss and still get the MVP? Well, that's the purpose of the MVP award. It's literally for someone on the losing team so the producers can (laughs) get them at the after party. But the other guys then at the after party start building their case against Joe. He's taking too much time with her. Nate says... I don't care. I'm not going to waste my time thinking about that. Perfect play here by Nate. Mm -hmm. I like to see these little drippings of Nate just to be like, yep, that's the player I think he is. He also played this group date very well. Even though it seems like he's not that good at basketball and Michelle Young was giving him shit. But nonetheless, he he played this very well also. Spencer plays his package deal in his one-on-one time, tells Michelle he's a three-year-old son who's a mini-me, shows pictures of his son. Martin does a quick little spin dance move. I don't really know how to dance tango. Just wanted you here. Plants a kiss on her. Sort of an abrupt kiss lead in. And then we see the pinnacle of kiss lead ins from Nate during his one-on-one time. He and Michelle joke. He's like, I missed a lot of shots today, man. But, you know, I got the fimp, so I had to take it easy on everyone. I feel really good. I'm happy here. Opposites attract. You got 1,000 points. I got six. You're gorgeous. You have the nicest eyes. And then they're walking hand in hand. He pulls her in and puts her up against a column where he's holding his drink on the column for this makeout. I just thought it was like such a beautiful, subtle, physical gesture to get into that kiss versus, you know, some of the ham handed, aka Rick, table Rick kiss lead ins. (laughs) 
you're really like constructing this mad libs in order to get a kiss yeah. from this person. I agree. It was great. It looked like something out of a romantic comedy. Like it looked like a scene mm-hmm. from a movie. It was perfect. And, you know, unfortunately, Michelle returns to the group and thanks the guys for everybody being such a great group of wonderful people. And Joe does get that group date rose. Nate does not get it here. And then Joe in an ITM says he has, in quotes, a rose glow. I like that very much. Mm. Way to coin that phrase. And Martin then ITM's disappointment, not getting the rose. And he calls Joe a silent assassin. And again, I'm saying this is not shy style. This is quiet confidence. It is a huge difference. Shy style is like, I can't look at you. It's like that bashful. Joe's not that. He's just like, I don't need to say a lot. That's a, a huge difference in my opinion. Yeah. He has true alpha presence. I let the basketball do the talking. Exactly. Portion nine, we get the cocktail party. Michelle comes in, says she's all smiles. You never say that. Producers will then try to destroy your smile. She does one-on-one time with Rodney in which she blindfolds him and makes him uh, <laughs> taste different foods, presumably apples, to see if he can identify what type of apple. This man can't guess any apple type. He doesn't. He's never even eaten an apple. He did an apple top. A fucking apple? She puts a piece of pizza in his mouth and he says, is that lasagna? <laughs> Has this man ever eaten food? <laughs> any food? No. Uh, no. <laughs> he's all protein shakes. Exactly. You put that fucking blindfold on him. He has no idea. But Michelle then does an interesting kiss lead in where she says, I got one more thing for you to eat or whatever. And she leans in and gives him a kiss. Congrats to Rodney on getting that kiss. And then the other guys led by Martin start talking about Michelle and Joe knowing each other from before the game started. And the guys start debating who's going to use their time to talk to her about this thing with Joe or not. And you're just I'm watching this shit like a horror movie. I'm just like, no, no, no. <laughs> what are any of you doing? Why are you even thinking about this? It will only cause ruin. But we know what happens here. Jamie pipes up. He's got an issue with it. Well, he reveals to Martin that he has intel. He had a friend from Minneapolis who was going into a bar, saw Michelle, and said that she was already booed up with a tall, light-skinned baller. Martin is like, did you forget about that info until now? <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> shit. He's like, I have to say something. It's important. This person cares about me. So in his one-on-one time with Michelle, he says, there's some stuff I need to talk to you about separate from us. There's a whole bunch of talk today that maybe you might have known Joe from before. I don't really care. But this entire journey is about authenticity and people are questioning that. We have a level of trust built here, but it's important for me to tell you that. And Michelle's like, people are questioning me in a way that's disrespectful. And Jamie's like, it's starting to take on a life of its own. Meanwhile, we've only seen it between these few people just now. And he then tells Michelle the light-skinned baller story. And she appreciates it. But in her ITM, she says she's blindsided by the info. She starts crying. She's going to try to think of the best way to address it. And doesn't know who believes her and who doesn't. She might put up her walls again. This is some real drama. What Jamie did here was a work of art. This is very hard to do. This is a general tattle. We saw Katie Thurston pull one off on Matt James' season. Hers was more altruistic. It was actually meant to help save Brittany Galvin from a rumor that was started about her being a sex worker. 
This here is meant to do something a little different. This is meant to blow up the whole fucking house. This is like basically what Carl tried to do last season where he was like, there's a bunch of wrong reasons, people here. And they're like, who? Who are you talking about? I don't know. You know who you are. Carl did not have the wherewithal to do what Jamie is doing here, which is basically saying, look, there's a bunch of guys here. They're getting worked up about it. Not me. Not me. I don't care. We got a good thing going here. I don't care. This is not about (laughs) me, but the house, the fundamental workings of the house, meaning everyone else, that is now what's at stake here. And it's starting to overtake, he plants in her mind, at least the idea that it's starting to overtake the process. And if it gets too big, it's going to fucking blow up. That's what he's planting in her mind. Again, not me. I'm not a part of this. You and me are great. I'm telling you this for your benefit. Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, very slickly done. And we're going to see then that there's the secondary part of it, which he also plays correctly, (laughs) at least for this moment. He he has learned from Carl and is correcting Carl's mistakes here. He pulls an opposite Carl here in that he does not admit it. Michelle confronts everyone, says, I was made aware. There's conversations about if Joe and I knew each other, but this... First night, I was meeting every single one of you. We exchanged a few messages a few years back, but I was ghosted. And there's this story of me getting spotted with a light-skinned basketball dude. And she says, if I ever have a romantic dinner with a white dude, people don't think we're together, but people assume it if I'm with a black man. Ask me any questions. No one pipes in. That was a, a interesting moment as well. Yeah. You know, this is where we're starting to talk about professional era. Because in... Old eras, somebody would have said something, either to corroborate what she's saying or to counter it and be like, no, we don't think that. Everything's great. No one said a word because as soon as you open your fucking mouth, you're a target. And yes, that may be a good play, but the spotlight's on you. And that means you're going to have to do something exactly perfect. There's very little possibility for benefit in a situation like that and massive possibility for something detrimental to happen to your game that could fucking ruin it all. Yeah. So... Everybody just fucking sits there and, you know, looks away from her, basically. Like, don't look at me. I don't know what this is. In general, you don't want your face to be associated with this (laughs) horrible mood. And no one says anything. She walks away. And then Jamie doesn't come forward when everyone's like, who told her? And it is such a beautiful thing to behold. It was One of my favorite things of this episode. I mean, we generally say don't tattle, but if you're going to tattle, you do it when you already have the rose and you're going to blow up this cocktail party and you don't admit that it was you. And you cheers to the other people who are like, oh, who did that? I mean, God, certain drama, someone. Not only is he not admitting it, there's a fucking (laughs) shot of him literally commiserating with Nate about it. It's fucking crazy. And I'm like, you know, this is a, this is a part of the show where you really start to get into the gamesmanship of the producers. They're okay. Last episode, sending in Taitlin to in quotes discover these folders and blow that fucking guy's game up. This is the truth about him. In this case, they have him saying this shit in ITMs. They have footage of him fucking doing it. They could very easily tell Taitlin go tell the guys it's him. Mm -hmm. If they're looking out for Michelle's best interest, which at this point, he's lying straight to her. They don't give a fuck. They're going to let this go as long as they can so that it will blow up in the biggest explosion possible. They do not care about Michelle Young finding love or any of these guys being honest with her. It is only about the drama 
and the TV show. I mean, that's it can't be more clear. This moment took me back to Ashley Hebert's season when you have this supervillain Bentley who's like, I love you, Ashley, to her face. And then in his ITMs, he's like, I don't know. She's not that attractive. Where you're just like, what they're saying in their ITM is completely different from how they're acting. And it's, I found it very entertaining. Oh, for sure. It does make good TV. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying the hypocrisy of sending Taitlin in to be like, these folders, I can't believe this. This is insane. And then the producers know that this dude, that Jamie is doing this, lying to stir the pot, potentially blow other people up, whatever. They're not going to say shit about that because they know that they can milk two or three episodes worth of narrative out of that. I'm surprised they did the folder thing night one. I am too. I thought they would have let that go a little longer. Yeah. By the way, Nate, in response to this, says, let that person save face. You don't have to tell us who it is, but just know I think you're soft. That's some alpha presence right there. Indeed. And then we even cut to a little face play of Jamie, supposedly in reaction to that, where he's kind of like, what? You know, scrunching his face up. I don't know if that actually was in reaction to what Nate was saying, but the producers have edited it to look so. And then Taitlin descends the staircase and Taitlin says that Michelle is very emotional because her character is now in question and she appreciates it being brought to her attention. So they are giving Jamie a little bit of a kudo there, which is kind of interesting. And unfortunately, though, she is so emotionally drained. The cocktail party is canceled. They will be going straight to Rose. Turtles got fucked, including Rick. Was this ultimately a good play by Jamie? I don't know, because we're, we're in very interesting territory right now. We saw what happened with Brendan Marias and Piper James. Now, he did a, a wide array of various errors including coming in with a plan, talking to, to, to Natasha in the way that he did, talking about Instagram openly. But it was villainous. What he did in terms of the show and the characters they set up, he was a villain. And he lost mm-hmm. 100,000 Instagram followers. Jamie here, I think, is treading very thin ice into the same territory. Because what he's doing to Michelle is very shitty. He's lying straight to her. definitely, And he's going to be positioned as a villain. And it looks like he's going to go a little further in the game for sure. She likes him. So when that all blows up, I'm very curious to see what happens to his Instagram as a result. If it is mass unfollows, just like it was for Brendan. Or if it's different because Brendan had already gone through a full season in Paradise as the all-star round. So he already had hundreds of thousands of followers. He had 100,000 to bleed off even. I don't know what Jamie's sitting at, but like not 100,000. Everybody's under 40K at this point. I think that's why it's going to be different. You, This is his one-on-one date. That's where you're going to get some of your biggest gains. And he might have, if not for the villain edit he got in the second half of this episode. So I don't think he's going to get much gains at all. Well, we'll see. We're going to be tracking all the gains of this season, of course. I still enjoyed his play. Oh, so did I. <laughs> Wildly entertaining. So thank you, Jamie, for your sacrifice. Living on the edge. You know, he told us he lives on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> He truly did. We should have seen this coming. He said it directly to our faces. Portion 11 then begins. Chris S. is ITMing that one of the guys is trying to manipulate the whole thing like some sort of a game. Hmm. Indeed, Chris. Welcome to the game you are playing that's been being played for 20 years. Michelle then tells the guys she's going to try to keep her walls down, even though she wants to put them all back up. And she says that with accepting the rose tonight, you are accepting to trust her as she will also do with each of them. So she's basically doing a little reset here. 
I know we had this fucking thing and my walls want to come up and nobody trusts me and all this shit. But if you take this rose, it's like a reset. My walls are down. Your walls are down. We all trust each other. And we start our rose ceremony. I would keep escalating those. And I would say like, if you accept this rose, that means you'll propose to me. (laughs) Or that means you're consenting to sex with me. (laughs) If you accept this rose... It is a contract that says you owe me $15,000. Yes. <laughs> just just keep testing it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> How bad do you want to accept it? The rose ceremony begins and we get our first flower. Goes to who? Nate. Mm. He got a zero and he got a one. I don't know. We're going to have to see where this goes. But so far, holy shit. This could be one of the best RQs of all time. It's that wall play. We go down the list. Rodney, Martin, Rick, Leroy, Spencer, Casey, Chris, G, Malik, Olu, Chris S, Will, Romeo, LT. And we've been getting some ITMs from Clayton the whole time. I don't know if I'm going to get a rose or not. And Clayton does get the 15th rose. And then Taylor emerges for the final rose. There is no dark touch here. And Peter gets that 16th rose. We thought he was in trouble because of all of his poor gameplay on the group date, but of course he's going to get the rose. There's no real threat. And Taysha delivers the Tam Sig. And four guys got kicked off. Alec, the 29-year-old engineer from North Charleston, South Carolina. Daniel, the 26-year-old firefighter from Austin, Texas. Pardeep, the 30-year-old neuroscientist from Brooklyn, New York. And PJ, a 30-year-old firefighter from Houston, Texas. Thank you, gentlemen. Your suffering was savored. Then after the rose ceremony, we get a promo. The guys are all ITMing, wanting to know who's spreading this rumor. Who is the rat? And after the cheers, we see all these shots that are going to be coming from next week. Michelle doesn't know who to trust. Rodney gets a date. We see the flight school ripoff from Pilot Pete season. It's the exact same date. It's literally the exact same date. We see some forced nudity. We see Clayton getting a kiss, Nate getting a kiss. Jamie seems to be uh, found out at some point. So we know that's coming, but we don't know when that is, if that's going to be next week or potentially weeks from now. We see some forced violence that's going to happen on that pilot date. And trust is called into question. And it seems like they're, I don't know. It seems like they're going to drag out this Jamie shit for a while to me. I don't think it's going to wrap up next week. I don't think so, but it's not looking good for him being in your final four, is it? No, he's definitely not in the final four. <laughs> I, I wish to rescind that now. Look, the only two that I'm really sure of are Nate and Joe. That's a fucking lock. And I think what's going to happen with Joe is he's going to make it very far, but then there's going to be this, this idea that she felt something with him that was false because of basketball, because of Minnesota, Mm. that she felt too comfortable too quick and that that isn't real. I think that ultimately is going to come into play for her. That she had fallen in love with his Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Good on paper or something. But then we get this tag and our announcer who has a couple of hundred Instagram followers is doing all these funny intro jokes about the various players at the basketball game. And we learn that Clayton, our next bachelor, shaves his nipples and thinks hot dogs should be called sandwiches. I really thought he was going to get a good edit. Right. Like from night one. I thought they were going to try to build him up. I don't know what's going on. We just got the news today also that there's going to be another bachelor airing after Clayton's season that will shoot and air in the traditional space of bachelorette next year. So there's going to be two bachelors, basically two bachelorettes now, two bachelors next year. 
then I guess paradise, then what? Why? No, don't do it. They're doing it. It's done. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't. It's done. No. I don't know what this is going to do in terms of, you know, lasting power of the franchise. It seems to me like what is happening is ABC is just burning it out. They're like, fuck it. Let's get as many in as we can before it dies. Put the pedal to the metal. Let's run this car until there's no gas left and then we'll drive it off a cliff. And it seems like we're headed toward the cliff. <laughs> I think of it as a personal attack on us, the Bachelor podcaster community. Uh-huh. They're trying to bleed us off. They're, yeah, they're trying to tire us out. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you get the folder attack and now we get the schedule attack. <laughs> they don't know what I've become. Bring every attack. I've survived. You've survived the fucking hyper binge. You think two fucking seasons of a Bachelor back-to-back is going to do something to us? I'll do that in my sleep. Fucking kidding me? Let's do that in my astral projections. Yeah. <laughs> that was coverage of week two of Bachelorette <laughs> season 18. Who was your MVP? Well, it's not the Hawk Rock. Right. Rock Hawk. For his perfectly played one-on-one date. His beautifully played PTC for coaching Michelle in rock climbing, for dropping a vague general tattle with no specific names and then refusing to claim credit for it when he already had a rose in pocket to get the cocktail party canceled for others, and for generally living on the edge, which greatly entertained me, Jamie was my... M-M-M-M-V-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
And he's doing that quiet alpha presence, that QAP. And that shit <laughs> is going to fucking get him very far in this game. I just thought he was, for me, the best player this week. And I'm, I'm very excited to see what he's going to continue to do. I'm excited to see what he's going to do on a one-on-one -on -one date. I think he's going to shine there like we've never seen before. Look, I see what you're saying about MVP, but I just, he just had all of these things lined up for him. Things lined up for him. He devoted his entire life to becoming the best basketball player he could be. The best basketball player in the fucking state, whenever that was, 2011. That's, nothing's lined up for this man. He's been working hard his whole fucking life, and now that work is all paying off here in a different game, but still utilizing some of the literal same skills where he's playing basketball. And he was given by the third audience a literal MVP award. I have to <laughs> acknowledge that. They gave him a fucking medal. We're not giving out medals. We're just talking about shit. They wanted him to play his PTC. <laughs> okay, maybe. Well, he did it. He had the opportunity, did it. Whatever. We have. They're both MVPs. <laughs> Absolutely. Both equal MVPs. And that wraps up our coverage of this week's big game. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back in 48 short hours with this week in Bachelor Nation where we're going to be covering all the news of the nation. And there's some fucking huge ass news this week. This is one of the craziest news weeks in the history of Bachelor Nation. I can't fucking believe it. So much. We got breakups. We got engagements. We got second Bachelor seasons coming out. All kinds of crazy shit. So we'll be covering all that. We'll also be covering the ratings of this game that we just covered. I'm very curious to see what those are because as you have maybe heard if you listen to last week's This Week in Bachelor Nation, the opening night ratings were the worst in the history of the show. So hopefully we can get a little uptick going here. And we'll also have some screams from the pit for you. And some gains. And some gains. But please join us for that. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,156 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now. Head to toe, dressed in quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. <laughs> I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman 
passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses we're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer it's a great time of year it's a time for renewal for me that means reconnecting with friends and family i haven't seen for a while and when i do i want to make sure i have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with that's why first leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me, who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough. Not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com roses. 